as Jared recovers from sickness and floods and lions and tigers and bears. So, Revelation 2, beginning in verse 1. We're going to read the first seven verses. To the angel of the church in Ephesus write, The words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know your work, your toil, and your patient endurance, and how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but you have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not, and you have found them to be false. I know you are enduring patiently and that you are bearing up for my name's sake and that you have not grown weary. But I have this against you. You have abandoned the love you had at first. Read those four one more time. To the angel of the church in Ephesus write, the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hands, who walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know your works, your toil, and your patient endurance. <clears throat> and how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but you have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not, and you have found them to be false. I know that you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake, and you have not grown weary, but I have this against you. You have abandoned the love that you had. First, love's a very strange concept. We talk about it all of the time. We use the word love to describe everything. We love our dog. We love our cat. We love burritos. We love guacamole. We love babies. We love our spouses. We love every single thing. It's weird to me that we use the same word to talk about the person that we have chosen to spend the rest of our lives with with something that we cover a burrito with. It's a unique concept that is very prevalent in our society because we use the word love to describe everything. When you use the word love to describe everything, it does not, in fact, describe anything. When we use the same word for every single situation and circumstance, it ceases to have value and meaning. Yet we see here in Revelation that there is a church, the church at Ephesus, and when Jesus looked at them, he sees things about them that seem to be loving, that seem to be meaningful, that seem to be things that you would want to have in a church, that we would want in our church that the churches around our community would want in their churches. This idea of doing and caring and acting and having rhyme and reason for things. Uh, contrary to popular belief, I've not always been great at romance. When I was in seminary, there was a new girl and multiple boys gravitated towards her just because boys outnumber girls in seminary. And she and I went on a date, and I decided to take her to the Cheesecake Factory because I like to have a menu where I could get obviously anything I could ever want. 
And while we're at the Cheesecake Factory, um, she ordered her meal, and I ordered my meal, and she asked for a to-go box, and I did not need one. And I asked if she wanted cheesecake, because this is not called the Pasta Factory, and she said she would take a piece to go, and she waited for me to finish mine, and then we went back to my apartment, where all of my friends were spending their time to hang out and spend time and talk about things that people talk about when they're young. And while we were sitting there, uh, we walk out to the front yard and I had a question for her. Hey, do you think this is going anywhere? And she said, um, um, I guess. I said, oh, so you, you think we're going to do these dates again? And she said, oh, oh, no. What do you mean, oh no? I'm not Quasimodo hopping out of the bell tower. And she said to me, and this, she said, Chad, I just want friends right now. And I let her know very quickly that I had enough friends. And I didn't need any more friends. I am stocked up on friendship. The next day I'm at my apartment, and there's a knock on the door, and it's her. And she is there to hang out with us, I suppose to apologize to me for her mistreatment of me the evening before. And she sits down on her couch, or my couch, because her couch wasn't at my house. And when she sat down on the couch, I noticed that she was kind of eyeing the kitchen. And eventually she stood up and she walked to the kitchen to get her leftover cheesecake. And then I never saw her again. <laughs> I was 16 years old and... Uh, there was a girl that went to church with me that... Uh, I like to spend time with because it was an independent Baptist church. I liketh her. And when uh, the two of us started talking on the phone every night because we liketh to one another. And in the midst of our regular conversations from evening to evening, we made the decision that the two of us were going to go together. Does anyone come from a framework where that's the terminology that you used? We would go together. Giddy up and go. Let's go. Let's just go. We did not know where we were going. We were just going somewhere. Uh, I decided to take her to a movie because I wanted us to have a destination. And the two of us, uh, I called on the phone, this phone that was plugged into the wall, and I said to her, I will pick you up in my 1983 Buick Regal. And I shined that car up and got it really clean and vacuumed it out, and she called me back and said her dad would not let her ride anywhere with me because obviously he'd seen me leave the church parking lot. <laughs> so I told her I'd meet her at the movie theater. So we met at the movie theater to see My Father the Hero starring Gerard Depardieu. And when we were standing in line, uh, I paid for my ticket and I also paid for her ticket. We walked inside and I asked her if she wanted a Coke. She's, I would love a Coke. Would you like some candy? I would love some candy. <coughs> her Coke is purchased. My Coke is purchased. Her candy is purchased. Her Junior Mints. My M&Ms were purchased. And then I said, would you like some popcorn? And she said, oh, I'll just share yours. And at that point I thought, this may not be going anywhere. <laughs> we sit down in the movie theater and I begin to reach into the popcorn. And every time that I would reach in, she would try to reach in quickly. And I'm lady, what do you want? I'm trying to eat popcorn. And she's trying to thumb wrestle. 
So we're in this theater, and I think everything's going really well. I get up, and I, I, I drive myself home. I call her best friend. When I called her best friend, I said, I think it went well. She hears a click on the other line. So I've got to check this out. I find out that this girl that I'd been on this date with did not think that it went well. Well, why did she not think that it went well? I'll, tell, I'll, I'll click back. So uh, this goes back and forth for 20 minutes. I find out that she did not think the date went well because I did not tell her at the end of said date that I loved her. And here's the reason why. This was a first date and that is creeper territory. No one should ever say that. Back and forth, back and forth. This idea of love. Now we look at the situation, we look at the scenario and we see this. There were lots of things that I did. I bought her ticket. I bought my ticket. I bought her candy. I bought my candy. I, I, I bought her a Coke. I bought myself a Coke. I cleaned up my car that her dad wouldn't let me use. I did numerous things to get us ready for this evening. But for her, even though I had done all of those fantastic things, something was missing. When you look at the church at Revelation, they've got a lot going on. Verse 2, I know your works, you're doing things. I see your patient endurance. Everyone in here would let us know that patient is a word where we should give an amen. We love patience. How you cannot bear with those who are evil. Absolutely. Or, or, and this, that you have tested those who call themselves apostles and they are not, they've been found to be false. This church was grade A church if we're just looking at function. I know you're enduring patiently and bearing up for my namesake and you've not grown weary. You're doing church things. You bought the popcorn. You bought the Coke. You bought the ticket. But something's missing. What about grace? How's our function? And we look into this idea in this passage of what it means for us to be the church. These seven churches we'll look at, they tell us a couple of things. One, they tell us about Jesus and they tell us how to see ourselves. Are we functional yet loveless? This week was initially the week that we had planned to do a vision series. In the light of flooding and our community being in an uproar, we felt that it was not the best decision for us to move forward with that. However, when we look into these churches in Revelation, they are intended to expose things about us to show us things that are absent, to remind us of things that are present, to reveal to us Jesus. Because that's the point of the book of Revelation. The point of the book of Revelation, no matter how much we talk about dragons and inappropriate women throughout the entirety of it, the point is Jesus. So as it reveals Jesus to us, 
The one who holds the seven stars, which is symbolic language for, he holds the pastors of these churches and he walks among the golden lampstands. The language that's used there is he is holding the pastors as he walks among the churches. And even now, in the midst of what takes place here, as we look at disarray all around us, Jesus holds me. If he does not hold me, then I am not being held. And he walks among us. The fact that there is light in this church is because Jesus is present. But have we lost a love? abandoned a love because if we're not careful we begin to look at things that we see in this passage and we would say that there is love present because there is function present but the passage takes us somewhere else when Jesus says to this church you have abandoned the love you had at first here's what you would find if you walked into Ephesus at this point in history they were a gateway city a port city if you will we're kind of familiar with that They uh, were a place where supplies were distributed among the area. They were also an asylum for criminals. So in every movie you've ever seen where people are on a run and they're going to Canada for whatever reason, this is what's taking place. They are a place you go where you are declared free if you just get over the border into Ephesus. But they had some weird stuff going on too. They had a temple dedicated to this this goddess... I can't show you a picture of her. It's inappropriate. But Ephesus was a place where this church was formed and put together. And while it's there, you begin to see things present within it that are good. So hear me say this. There are good things present in Ephesus. We've listed those off in 2 through 4. But something's missing. It's love. And that love that's missing is something that they were warned about. If you were to travel back to when the church at Ephesus was formed in Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 through 19, Paul's giving them groundwork for what needs to always be present. If you were to strip back everything, you need this. We did some stripping back of a house yesterday. Some of us were at Jared's over the last three days. And we removed lots of stuff from his house. But there's still a foundation there. There's still a structure. There's, there's still something that's there. And Paul says, you have to have this. And here's what he says in Ephesians 3. If you're a, a one who turns quickly, feel free to look with me. 14. For this reason I bow my knee before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in your inner being. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And that you would be rooted and grounded in love. First phrase, out of, one of the first phrases out of Paul's mouth in regards to this church is, I want this for you to be rooted in love, to be grounded in love. Rooted is an agricultural term. It means that there is something growing into the ground and it absorbs life from that. And what Paul says is the church is to be rooted in Jesus, absorbing our life from Jesus. Grounded is an, it is an architectural term. It means that Jesus is to be our foundation. So that when storms come, when difficulties come our way, we don't get knocked over because our foundation stays secure. 
But Paul gets to a church in Revelation, or Jesus begins to talk to John the Revelator, which sounds like a professional wrestling name in Revelation chapter 2. He says, man, this church is doing lots of really good stuff. They've got all the stuff for a house they need for the house, except there's no foundation. They've got a tree, but it's lifeless. How do they get back to where they were started? How do we get back to where we started? Go here with me. Verse 5. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent, and do the works you did at first. So if you're a note taker, I'm going to give you three R words to write down. Two of them from John. One of them from somewhere else. Remember. Repent. Repeat. Remember. Repent. Repeat. Some say resume. Remember. Everyone say remember. Repent. Repeat. Remember the foundation of your faith. This is the idea that as believers, both as believers both personally and as part of a corporate public body, that we never lose sight of how we met with Jesus. Because if we lose sight of meeting Jesus, then we take for granted all that God has done for us. And lifelessness becomes obvious. I remember when I met Jesus. I remember asking Jesus to take a life that he'd already begun to take hold of. Life gets busy. And kids get loud. And schedules get full. When is the last time that you remembered? Because if we do not remember when we met with Jesus, then delight turns to duty. And you begin to see all of these things that, that we see in verses 2 through three, two and 3. And Jesus says, but who asked you to do any of that? We remember so that we shift from duty to delight. When we feel ourselves moving on the pendulum towards I'm just doing this because this is what I'm supposed to do and I'm acting this out because this is the way it's supposed to be acted out and I'm doing these things and these things and these things because that's what is expected of me. Remember. Remember where you were. Well, what took place when you were before Jesus? Well, what scriptures use are words like lifeless. You were dead. Another phrase that scripture uses, you, you were blind. You were a blind dead man. 
That you could not walk spiritually. That's another idea that we see in Scripture. All of these concepts are for us to remember. This is who I happen to be before Jesus. Have you thought about that lately? Have we thought about that lately? Because if if we think about that, it affects us at work. It affects us in our neighborhood. Because though we would never want to use words like this in opening of a conversation to a co-worker or to a neighbor, hey, I'm Chad and you're John and you're not a believer in Jesus, you're dead and lifeless. We'd probably never say that. But we know. Dangerous ground. We remember And that shifts us from duty to delight. Then we repent. We repent of not remembering. It says, remember from where you have fallen. I love that. So let me me just step back for a moment. There is a joy in a new believer that I covet at times. And as Jesus talks to John, he says, you remember... Because that helps you to to reset yourself. Remember. The second thing we see is to repent. It's a big Bible word. Talked about it a few weeks ago. It's the idea of Urs. Urs. I I don't know who Urs is. She's the villain on The Little Mermaid. Ursula. So... We repent because that is us turning away from sin. But that's not fully repentance. Because if all that we ever do is turn our back on our sin, what we eventually see is that we have turned towards other sins. We, we notice that we have found ourselves in more acceptable sinful behavior. To repent is to turn from sin, but yet, yes, but to turn to Jesus. It takes us to a place of remembrance. It's foundational for us. It's, it's us seeing that what takes place in the life of a believer is not one of those things that's just for the sake of warm fuzzies and affections. For my engineering friends, warm fuzzies and affections are emotions. And those are things that are present in us. But we, So, I was... Seventh grade, had a girl that was in my class. She showed up in an oversized New Kids on the Block t-shirt. Does anyone remember what a New Kid on the Block was? Can I see your hand? Oh, bless. So Regina shows up with this shirt, and she loved the New Kids. And this was before the Internet or Instagram or Uber or anything cool. And she just would buy magazines from this company called Tiger Beat. And Tiger Beat would have fold-out posters in the middle of their magazines. And I would imagine that Regina had a new kid poster on her wall. And she would talk to this new kid poster along with its weirdly shaved lines on the boys' heads and their rat tails. And when she would talk to this poster, it was because she had affection for them. But as she grew, and as music for her actually became music and not whatever that was... poster though still there 
would have been largely ignored if we are not living lives of repentance which take us to remembrance of Jesus then he is simply this affectionate thing that exists in our lives oh I remember when I gave my life to Jesus but if there is no repentance you're not have, you have no reason to remember Jesus, I need you to be present. I need to turn towards you because you're not just a point in my childhood where I thought about God as something that existed far, far away, but you're where God became real to me. That's what repenting is. And Jesus, I believe you're better. I believe you're better than all the things that I cling to and all the things that I would lean on and all the things that I would want and all the things that I would... Pour my life. I believe you're better than those. So Jesus, I'm going to remember you and I'm going to turn my life back towards you when I need to. I'm going to regularly live a life of repentance as Martin Luther says. Remember. Repent. Repeat. What are we repeating? Go with me to verse 5. You do the works... You did it first. This is not God telling us that He needs us. Because even in rooms like ours, we need to be reminded sometimes that God doesn't need us. He doesn't call us because He needs us. He calls us because He loves us. Doing the works you did at first is the idea that because of who Jesus is and how you met with Him, and because of your repentance that continually takes you back to Him, the life that you live is in response to Him. The early church was a strange thing. They were known in Rome... The Romans, if they didn't want a baby, they would put it on the trash heap. They couldn't deal with it in the womb. So they just dealt with it like that. And early Christians would run through the streets at night collecting those babies. They were known for going throughout their area where bodies were not properly disposed of when someone would pass away and giving and giving and showing respect to families by, by giving that family a proper burial for the body. The early Christians were known for giving it's been said that they gave more to the poor in the streets than the believers of the pagan faiths gave to, the Senate, to their temples. The early church, because they were rooted in remembering who Jesus is and continually turning to Him, their lives were shaped because of that. There was blessing and joy there. I was talking to Jacob Vetter yesterday as we worked at Jared's house and called him at the end told him that there was a family that some of us are going to help today at 1.30. As we got phone, he said, that's my blessing and my joy. I'd watched him work all day. 
What is his blessing and his joy? That's my back and my joints. I've been in pain all day today. Let me remember. Look, we look around us, and, and I just want to be honest. Every single one of us have gifts from God that can impact eternity as we see the opportunity that is also there. As we pour into the lives of neighbors right now who are struggling, of people who are hurting, uh, and we help them to literally reset their lives because we believe that Christ has reset ours. It's what you see in this passage that the life of a believer that is shaped by the person of Jesus, we live sacrificially because we know His sacrifice. We show mercy because He's shown us mercy. We love because He loved us. The concept of blessed people, blessed people. We pour in to those who need to see that Christ is real to us. Not because we are doing this out of duty, but because our delight, first and foremost, is to serve Him. Your opportunities are all around you. For the sake of Jesus, He, he has given us an ample opportunity to be a church that does not just act, but has a basis for our action. Love because we've been loved. I've seen some of that at Jared's house this, these past few days. I, I've watched people do things that I don't understand. I've just I swung a sledgehammer thirty times yesterday, and then I looked for a wheelbarrow. I need something to push with a wheel. But I watched as men and women came in. I'm watching that in our neighborhoods. I'm watching that at other, as other churches in our area pour into those who are hurting. We have an opportunity not just to be Grace Bible Church to this city, but to be the capital C church for the sake of the name of Jesus. Because we remember who we met. That shapes us. So I pray today that we will be shaped. By this idea of love. Here, here's what Jesus says. <coughs> I will come to you. Verse, verse 5. Remember therefore from where you have fallen. Repent. And do the works you did at first. And then there's this really harsh warning. If not. I will come to you. And I will remove your lampstand from its place. Unless you repent. Now remember the lampstand. That's the idea that the presence of God is there. And Jesus is saying. If this isn't what you're about. Then I'll remove my presence. What's that look like? Does that mean that one week we get this warning. And the next week. The church at Ephesus is shut down. No. If we were to get in a time machine like the TARDIS and travel through space and time and we were to go to a place like Ephesus, what we would find is there's lots of religious stuff there. 
But there is not an active, Christ-honoring church. It wasn't simply closed, but over time, the death of the church there became obvious. What's that look like in 2017? I would imagine it would mean that over the course of time, we would still meet on Sunday mornings, People would still sing songs. Preachers would still preach. Churches would still do church things. They would have kid stuff. They would have youth stuff. But eventually, because the presence of the Lord is removed, it erodes to nothing. And then you shut the doors. Let's not be that. Let's remember... Let's repent. Let's repeat. Jesus closes with a promise for those of us who will do those things that we should hold fast and firm to. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who conquers, to the one who overcomes, to the one who gets past this lovelessness, I will grant to eat of the tree of life which is in the paradise of God. That's us remembering the promise that we started with at first because of who Jesus is and how he's made himself known to us. Remember, repent, repeat. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? Jesus, I love these people. The elders of our church love these people. And God, I pray that you will use everything, everything for your good. Because you're the only one who can. Jesus, I pray that we will see you and know you and love you. And that will be a tangible seeing and knowing and loving because we've met with the king of the universe that spills out into the lives that you have put around us. Jesus, I pray for this church family that we will be rooted and grounded in love. That we will remember, repent, repeat, that we will be people, your people, caring for the needs of those around us. Because we've met with you. And you're good. And you do good things. So do good things through us. We ask all this in the name of Jesus. And everyone stands to sing with us and says...